Welcome to the Authentic Deb Podcast. I'm Debbie, and I'm your host for All Things Authentic. This podcast exists to bring people just like yourself from all over the world to share our stories, laugh at ourselves, and encourage each other along the way. Get ready to laugh, cry, and be empowered, but most of all to be you, because being you is enough. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Deb podcast. I'm your host, Authentic Deb, and today with me I have Randy Cathcart. Again, it seems to be my theme lately that these are all people I've met online, which just really shows you the power of connection and the power of the internet. So I'm going to let Randy introduce himself, and then we'll just see where the conversation goes. Randy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Deb. It's really great. It's funny that you say that about the internet because... Uh, over the years, my social circle has shifted to largely people that I know online. Even my <laughs> husband I met online. So, <laughs> I met my wife online too. Oh. <laughs> in 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 not not a dating type of yeah, way. Yeah, mine wasn't a dating site either. It just we became friends through an online forum, and years yeah. later, here we are. There you go. Well, you know, I met you. I think through Doug, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so Doug Sewell. Yeah, so I met you through Doug Sill. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about where you are and and what you're up to, what you're about. Sure. Um, Well, I am currently living in Maine, up in the frozen north. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I moved here a few years ago um, after having gotten divorced. I got a couple kids. um, And I just got married this summer to my husband. Congratulations. Thank you. It's very exciting. We're about six months in. And um, I don't know, just getting settled into life and figuring out a new way to live. <laughs> right. How long have you been divorced? Um, got divorced April 1st of 2014. We thought it was appropriate for April Fool's Day. We said <laughs> we were fools getting married. We might as well be fools getting divorced. <laughs> you are funny. Uh, so let's let's dive into that for a second. So tell me a little bit about your just your background growing up and just um, well since since we're both you know sexuality wise like did you you said you were fools for getting married unpack that a little bit for us. <laughs> well, um, so I grew up in the Midwest, part of a really devout Christian family, mm-hmm. and. Uh, started recognizing things about myself in elementary school and junior high and really resisted that hardcore because it didn't fit in with my understanding of what it meant to follow God or um, to, I don't know, to live in this world. And um, it was quite a difficult situation. And eventually when I was in college, I had already decided that I was just going to live celibate and single for the rest of my life and just basically try not to mess anybody else's life up. Right. And when I was in college, I had a really dramatic encounter with the Holy Spirit and came to believe that, oh my gosh, I really am loved. And Uh I immediately tried to translate that into, oh, if God loves me, then that means he's going to heal me. Right. And I immediately went back into this number of years where I was desperately praying that God would change me. And I was trying to go read all the books and do all the things to be straight. And um, unbeknownst to me, I developed a brain tumor 
that decimated my testosterone levels, suddenly I wasn't attracted to anyone or anything. And I oh, thought wow. God had healed me. Like and by I, making you a eunuch? <laughs> I didn't know what it was to be healthy. <laughs> and I didn't know I had the tumor. Okay. And okay. so I just thought, this is great. Like it must be, it must be the oh, answer to so my you, prayers. Oh, so you weren't feeling aroused, but you didn't know it was because of a tumor that was right. causing it? Oh, so you thought it was like this lack of sex drive was an answer to prayer. Oh, wow. And okay. during that season, I met a woman and we became friends. And um, we ended up getting married in a really quick dating to marriage relationship. And then it was after we got married that we started to realize I wasn't healthy and figured out about the tumor. And it was one that you have to treat long time over with medication. And we were treating it for years and it stopped responding. So we had to have it removed. And it was only at that point after we had it removed within the space of a month, I went from um, basically the prolactin levels of a more than a nursing mother would have for the highest level of a nursing mother, all that crashed and my testosterone came up to a healthy man all in the space mm -hmm. of a month. I told my wife at the time, I have such respect for women now because the hormone ranges were like the changes right. were so dramatic. <laughs> I would go from rage to sobbing in the space oh, yeah. of a moment over something that was not really rational. Oh, yeah. You know? But it was like a very real experience. And I learned a lot from that, actually. And by this point, we, we were married and we had kids. And I just, I realized I had been confused by this medical condition and that the church hadn't prepared me to understand what a healthy sexuality was or relationship or anything. And we were married. And So when you got married, did she know that you identified as a gay man and that you thought God had healed you? Yes. Yeah, I told her that before we ever got engaged. And, you know, um, that was really difficult when I became healthy after the surgery and started to realize nothing's changed except now I've brought her into this situation. <clears throat> and, um, you know, that was difficult. And I just decided, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to call it anything. I don't know what it is, but I'm not. I'm not going to try to call it anything. I couldn't right. say I was gay. Just whatever this is, God, I, I, here I am and I don't know what to do. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, it was years before um, she and I were ready to call it what it was. And we ended up getting divorced. And so, yes, yeah, so that's why I was saying we were fools rushing in. We didn't know what we were getting into. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, there's so many people, we hear the term pray the gay away and all of that. And I can see where you, you know, would maybe feel like that was, that was a, a, a miracle. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question. If it's too personal, you don't have to answer it. One of the things I found when I was falling in love with Susan, I have this funny story that, you know, when I was married at the time that so there was all sorts of, you know, big red flags, no nos going on. Just, you know, wait a minute, you're married, you, you know. Um, but I hadn't even met her in public, so I knew I was going to meet her. And so I thought, well, if I'm gay, shouldn't I be attracted to women? And so my son was in a little Christian school. He went to Christian school, K through 12. 
And uh, I knew I was going to meet Susan um, in the summer because uh, Ben's dad at the time was coaching baseball. So we traveled a lot in the summer with baseball team. And we were traveling to Dallas where my wife, my now wife is. And so I thought, well, if I'm gay, then women should like turn me on or something. <laughs> you know? So I, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, there's a probably deeper subject in there as far as sex and love and how they're not you know the order that those come in but uh so I went and I thought okay well I'm going to pick Benjamin up for school and you know get in the little line where all the moms do where they wait in line for their kids at the school and I thought well if I'm gay then maybe I should look at these women and see if it does anything for me, you know, because <laughs> it didn't. Like a little science experiment. <laughs> it was a total science experiment. And I watched all these women getting out of their cars and their little spandex and getting their kids. And I was just like, ew, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I must not be gay. I didn't have a tumor, but that was like, okay, I must not be gay because this isn't doing anything for me, you know? And then yet when I met her in person, um, I thought she looked really funny because she had a shocked look on her face when she realized she had a gay person and standing in front of her. Uh -huh. um, and it kind of what I learned through all that is, you know, I, I fell in love with her heart before I ever saw a picture of her, uh -huh. but then I equated sex with love or arousal with yeah. love uh, or with sexuality and physically tried to look at all these women, which just totally grossed me out. It would gross me out now if I did that, you know, and so I kind of came full circle. So I guess that was a long way to ask you the question of, was there a distinction for you when you were praying the gay away? So I hear that the, the drop in testosterone did something to your sexual energy or, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but did, in in your mind, did you still find yourself drawn towards men? I was really um, closed off from my feelings because I felt, because I had believed that um, being gay was a sin, then I felt like I couldn't trust my own judgment about anything okay. because, of, because of my desires, if they were sinful, and I can't trust that, then I, I developed a habit of not trusting myself and not considering what I wanted or anything. And I, I'm, I'm naturally laid back, but like, I just never had opinions about anything. I just, because there, there just wasn't a place for me to have opinions. And, um, so it was more like, um, what I didn't, re I guess I'll say this, what I didn't recognize at the time was that I had a, a male roommate. Um, we were like house sharing. Right. And um, I had told him one evening we were talking about God and just our past and stuff. And I had told him that in the past, I used to think that I was gay, but God had healed me of that. And then, um, I don't know, a couple months later, um, he started to go through some personal problems and started doing drugs and all sorts of things. And I was on staff at a church. I was a minister, kids minister at the time. And I felt so vulnerable. I hadn't realized that I was like emotionally relying on him 
as a guy who shared the things of the Lord, I didn't see it in terms of like um, sexual thing because I wasn't tuned into myself enough, but I was mm-hmm. so, um, I was devastated, like afraid that he was going to spill my secret. And also oh, like yeah. our friendship was evaporating because we were kind of headed in different directions and all that. And I was going through a really big depression and anxiety time at mm-hmm. the same time that I dated her and married her. And it was looking back, I could see it was probably also some hormonal changes because of the tumor as well. That mm-hmm. I think that probably impacted my brain chemistry, which made yeah. me respond more like that. But so I still, I still was having like a desire for a relationship. I just didn't recognize it. Okay. So growing up, what did you grow up in a particular denomination or assemblies of God? Assemblies of God. Okay. And did yeah. you did you know from a real young age you that you were more drawn to to the same sex? Yeah. I mean, I, I never experienced attraction to women and I, um, I, it was probably maybe fifth grade when I started be, having like feelings and stuff. I couldn't label it really. Right. I didn't actually call myself gay to myself until my senior year of high school, but I was same sex attracted for. Did you just date to fake? I didn't date. I dated one girl in college my senior year for a couple months. And then I didn't date anybody else. And then when I had the tumor, I dated my later wife for two months. We got engaged and we were married like four and a half months after that. And how long were you married? Um, just about 11 years, just a little okay. over 11. Good. Um, yeah, I know I was married to my son's dad for 13 years. And um, so did you tell your parents about your sexuality or was that completely taboo? I told uh, my youth pastor when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, his response was, I said to him, I am afraid I'm gay. And his response was, this is something you're going to struggle against for the rest of your life. And I, so I was, I went into some pretty deep depression after that because I had wanted to be like, Oh no, there's a way out and it's going to be better. <laughs> and it was, it wasn't that it was going to get better. And it wasn't that it's okay being who you are. It was, this is going to be your lifelong struggle. And I was like, I'm miserable now. I can't stand the thought of being miserable the rest of my life. Right. Um, so I didn't come out to them. Um, I, I didn't tell anybody else until after I had that experience with the Holy spirit where I felt like I was loved Mm -hmm. and that was in the middle of my senior year of college. And then I told my best friend a couple months after that, that I used to think I was gay, but I was healed or Mm -hmm. that God was healing me. And, um, and then I didn't tell anybody else until I was married and were trying to figure out like what's going on, what's going wrong here, you know? So, yeah. It's quite wow. the interesting experience. I'll tell you though, um, I know that you and probably some of your listeners um, are attuned to spiritual things and mm-hmm. expect to hear um, spiritual things from God. And I had a couple of 
life-changing encounters in the process of coming out. Um, so I had been trying to process all this stuff and I had talked to my wife at the time and she basically said like, you either need to figure out that you're gay or you need to figure out what the magic solution is that we haven't been able to figure out for 11 years <laughs> as to why things aren't working. Mm -hmm. And so I spent several months processing that and praying through it. And I realized that I, in trying to atone for having brought her into this mess, I was prolonging her misery mm -hmm. because I was, I was dragging things out that really we, we just were not yeah. working. <laughs> and so finally I came to her and I said, you know what? I am gay. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, we stayed home from church that next day. And then that week I was really nervous. We were both really nervous about going back to our church because it was a church that practices, um, listening to the Holy spirit and sharing prophetic words. And, um, I personally was quite nervous, even though I believed that God was at work in me and was doing this at the same time, I was concerned, you know, you think, what if I'm wrong? Or you think, yeah. what if somebody hears something and they don't know how to handle it? And I'm so vulnerable right now. I don't know that I can face this. Um, I later learned through some rough experiences that this church was very definitely not affirming, mm -hmm. um, which makes what I'm about to tell you all the more interesting. Okay. Um, at the end of the service, um, my ex my my current wife then was sitting next to me. We were we didn't go up to pray. We didn't do anything. We were just shell shocked as we're just working through stuff, sitting in our seat. And one of the pastors that I'd never met before um, came up behind me, and I was sitting down. And he came and he stood right behind me with his face like directly next to mine, uh -huh. like our whiskers were brushing right. each other. And he wrapped his arm around me. And he put his hand on my chest and it was a very like kind of intimate mm -hmm. posture. It's like something I wouldn't have been comfortable with right? being that close to a man because of like everything. And he started singing and he started singing the song in my ear and my wife at the time could hear the words. And he was saying, I'm a good father and you're my son and I love you. Um, it's mm -hmm. not about right or wrong or anything that you've done. This is about my love. And I'm leading you deeper and deeper, layer by layer into your heart wow. to discover who you are at the inside and not what you thought you were, or what people have said you were. This is me in this process leading you deep inside to figure out who you are. And it's because I love you and I'm a good father to you. Wow. And she and I are weeping. And even now it still moves me Yeah. because... I was at my most vulnerable and the most exposed and um, I could have been crushed. And the response of the father was to show mercy to me and yeah. mercy and mercy and mercy from someone I later discovered was not affirming in any sense, which made it all the more right. the voice of the spirit because he had no idea what his words were communicating to me. So he wasn't leading into it. He wasn't like understanding, you know, like nobody no. in the church. Knew he probably thought this. he was just talking about the father's love and, yes. and, and was being sensitive to the spirit, yes. which is so powerful of the prophetic um, yes. that they're prophesying all this destiny over you. And you know, 
for some of them now you know that if they knew that they'd probably even try to oh that's not what i meant it's like no that's well, what when god I meant to them yeah. about that they tried to basically say that's unfortunate that you took it that way and, <laughs> I, and my response was the holy spirit knew how i would take those words right how vulnerable i was and if the spirit was trying to protect me from deception then the spirit did a terrible job right right in that moment you know what i'm saying like yeah this was not the moment to test my ability to hear exactly this was the moment that i was listening and i was vulnerable yeah i trust that that was the voice of the holy spirit oh you know, yeah that was life-changing to me we had um just on that same thing when susan and i finally got together and i we were going to go to this church because there was nothing this is before we were pastoring and we we wanted to just go to a spirit-filled church you know and i didn't want we had matching wedding rings and so i didn't i didn't want to wear the wedding rings because i was so like you know closeted basically and um it was so funny uh, i don't really remember much about the service but um, they had an altar time. And at that point, we were so hungry for God, we'd go up and get prayer laid on me, you know, <laughs> we, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we weren't standing next to each other. They had this big long line and they had several ministers that would come and, uh, you know, cause people were falling out in the spirit and all that. And, um, anyway, Susan was like about three, four people down for me. And that's one lady, um, she just finished ministering to somebody. She walks down and she stands in front of Susan to start to pray for her. And then she literally stopped and she looked up and she looks down and she looks at me and she, she uh, tells Susan just a minute. She goes and she grabs me from like three or four people away, puts me right next to her and starts talking about there's such a strong bond of love here. And she's like, just love. And I see how you're going to um, minister to your own community uh, and da, 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 and in your neighborhood and da da da, and she's like, "Are y'all like sisters?" And we're like, mm -hmm. "You know, <laughs> you know, uh, what's she gonna say?" Well, we're we're something, baby. You know, we, <laughs> we're Adam. <laughs> you could say she's my sister. <laughs> that wouldn't be lying, you know, in Christ. But but uh, and it's one of those things that you know it's not an affirming church, but it was just God's way of saying, "I see you," because we were. That's when we were just getting ready to start up our Bible study, which eventually became, yeah. you know, the church that we pastored for 10 years. Um, and so here she said, I see you working in your community and da, 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 da. And we're like, Oh my God, you know, and yeah. she had, it was, again, it's like God using a mouthpiece because, um, that's when you know the prophetic is pure. And then what's sad is that prophetic people want to turn around and say that they meant something different, but you know how it was said and God can use them in that minute. Um, and then later they want to go back and moonwalk backwards. It's like, no, baby, this is this is what, you know, the Lord said. And I was always very guarded about people praying for me mostly because I didn't want uh, anything profane, anything that had slipped through their filter of, of their opinion because I don't really care about their per, uh, opinion per se, but I didn't want to be hurt either. So I, I resonate with that story um, yeah. for you. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, um, 
I ended up having some really hurtful experiences at that church after that. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but um, the, the one encounter that was the most difficult, um, it basically led me to the point where um, I knew I wasn't going to be allowed any more ministry opportunities there mm-hmm. and likely any anywhere. It, it was anywhere. In the and AG, in the Assembly was, of God? This wasn't actually an AG church. It was a an non-denominational charismatic church, but in in um, Springfield, sorry, okay. in the AG headquarters city. So it was still very much like the AG. And um, I, I was really angry. I was really hurt. And I was praying in my kitchen at, and at home. And I, I just said, you know what? Like, they can't. They can deny me an opportunity in their church, but they can't stop me from sharing the love of God. And I was, I turned and I looked out the window, and um, this guy was walking down the street, and I'd seen him before, and I'd always thought that he just carried this cloud of depression on him. Yeah. And this was like an area where there's like industrial complexes and stuff. This isn't like a like a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I went outside. I just went outside to him and um, started to talk with him. And he was experiencing homelessness and he was headed somewhere. And I started to talk with him. And we walked down the road about 10 minutes. And he was just like an open heart. Uh-huh. things of God. And I was like, I'm telling him. And he's like, yes, like that's, yeah, my life is like a mess and this is what I need. And, and he, we're having this conversation. And I said, you know, like I've watched you walk by before and I've prayed and asked God to bless you because I've just been concerned for you. And he's like, I really appreciate, it. I need God in my life. And I really, I've never had God, but I want God. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes of having met this guy, he says, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Yeah. And we stop and we pray and God's Holy Spirit just cascaded down. And he goes, whoa, I feel like I'm standing under a waterfall. What is this? Awesome. Yeah. And he had no framework for the presence right. of God or what it means to encounter God. And that was from 10 minutes of having met the guy from a stranger to him being deluged. Right. Right presence. And, you know, we talked a little longer and walked a little farther and then he walked off and I went inside. And that was a moment for me that was like, it was for that guy. Yeah. It was for me. This church had completely shut me down. Right. And publicly slandered me and all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. And yet, because I was ready to follow God, like, he's like, look, (laughs) <laughs> exactly Sky's the limit doors are open like doors are open do you know what i'm saying absolutely like, oh my gosh that was such a moment for me that yeah the god's on this path it's you know gay straight or whatever you know kind of leads into what uh i was talking about in my other podcast with truth seeker which i was telling you about before we went on the air is that uh this term spiritual homosexuality 
And it's the phrase of, unless you think like me, talk like me, act like me, believe exactly the same way. Now, I think a lot of our Christian friends or friends in big mainline churches go, oh, no, 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 I don't do that. Um, yes, you do, you know, to 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 a degree, you know, because if you don't think like me or, or you know, and heaven forbid you have, do you go to an acupuncturist? You know, I mean, heaven forbid, you know, it's like if you, if you and, and you know, I'm not demeaning that because, you, I believe people are where they are on their journey. And, you know, if, if something is like the word says, if it's permissible for you, great. Um, and others, what's permissible for you might not be permissible for somebody else. Right. Sure. So there's that element of it, but, and there's an element of not flaunting what's your freedom in front of somebody else's face either. But there's also the element of don't judge every single person because they have a different level of freedom or understanding or relationship of how the Holy spirit works in their life. Um, you know, and oh my gosh, with the gay issue, of course, I mean, is there, is there changes? Yeah, there, there have been changes, but even within the GLBT churches, we still have this spiritual homosexuality that is, that is rampant um, in terms of other things. And yet we're called to be, light like that guy that you ministered to who knows what he did in his life or if if he went and smoked a bong right after that or whatever you know what i'm saying but that's not your job that's right you know i'm not talking about discipleship per se right now because there's a place for that right but our job is to be light in the moment and and to be to ready uh to speak whatever the holy spirit tells us to speak and um, sometimes people need a burger more than they need the Romans road to salvation. Right. You know, um, it really, it really depends <laughs> upon where you are, but yet the, the church and, you know, the church realm is so quick to say, Oh, well you can't do that. Or, Oh, Randy, you're gay. You can't go out and minister to somebody or, Oh, that, that, that person's probably a drug addict or he probably believes differently than you do, or he interprets God differently than you do. You can't go out and have a conversation with him. It's like, no, there's you know, there's this whole, uh, like, and I kind of see you in that group, you know, there's a whole group of people that are filled with the spirit that love God, but are, open enough to have a conversation, open enough to take God at his word that he's going to use us however he wants. Cause last time I checked, he was boss. Yeah. Last time I checked, you know, and if he says, go here, I go, I might go kicking and screaming sometimes cause I'm a little stubborn, but ultimately I'll go. And yet the church is like, well, I don't understand what Debbie's doing. I don't understand what, randy's doing and i don't know i mean i know that you go to a church now that's fully affirming but just give me your thoughts as a moment of what kind of like once you left that church what kind of things even when you were a straight man in the church you know a married man um i saw this stuff at work even when i was married to my son's dad and in the church of that that box mentality of everybody has to be the same way. Have you experienced that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> you know, we, I think there are two elements to that. One is that the church thinks that it has things figured out. And so their job for discipleship is to conform you to the, 
image that they have mm-hmm. of what a Christian is. And, um, and actually, I want to talk about this more than the second part. So um, as I was going through this process of coming out to myself and figuring out how that fit in with my faith, um, I really struggled because I didn't realize how much I had found security from knowing that I looked like the people that are right with God. And I was losing the security of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like in, um, I think it's it's, um, first Peter, I think um, the author says, live in such a way as to have the assurance of your calling. Like basically like let your lifestyle give you confidence that you really are on the right track. And I had been taught that and I, I looked like all the other people that I knew were going to God or going to heaven. Right. And now I'm looking differently than they were and I'm believing differently than they were. And it's like your it identity felt, changes overnight. Yes. And it felt like I was getting born again, again, mm-hmm. because I was having to trust in the work of the Holy Spirit for something that I couldn't contribute in any way to being right. There was no way I could match the image of what people said you had to be, to be right. Right. And I had to trust. And I had this experience with God where um, I was reading in the book of Matthew and the author quotes from Isaiah. So it's like this long chain here, right? And it says um, about Jesus when he was healing people that a bruised reed he wouldn't break off right. and a smoldering candle wick he wouldn't snuff Put out, out. Yeah. until he came to bring justice with his truth. Mm-hmm. And as I pondered that, what I realized was this world is confusing and it's hard to know exactly what's true, particularly when there's so much injustice mm-hmm. around and you can't sort through how does all this fit into God's plan and what's right and what's wrong? And am I on the right path and all this stuff? And in that context, it says, God will not snuff you out as long as there's a spark, right? As long as there's just the tiniest thing to hold on to, he's not going to give up. And I realized as I pondered that, I just had this blossoming awareness that even if I am a hundred percent wrong about mm-hmm. Everything. Me being gay, about being gay, being okay with God, that at the very worst, Jesus will say, you know what? You got this wrong, but you were really trying to hear me and you were holding on. And and I there's no way I will walk away from you. I am loyal to you. Well, that's oh beautiful. Goodness. But you know, yeah, that, that'll get you shouting. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Anything less is works. Yeah. Uh, look, because we'll have to have a part two for this conversation, but it's like, you know, if you're going to go there, then these people that are so ready to condemn uh, gay people, especially, or say that we can't be Christian or whatever, 
or think that we're deceived or demonic and all of this. It's like God knows the thoughts and intention of every single heart. He says, I separate everything, joints and marrow, soul, vote. You know, he, he separates it all. He knows every single thought you think and that you, that you say. He knows it all uh, before you even speak it out of your mouth. And yet it, it says, you know, that he loves us with an everlasting love. And there's nothing about coming to Jesus that says if you do it all right. You know, we could get into a big conversation about what is the sin of discounting the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> but, but to, you know, I don't like the term when people say I'm saved by the skin of my teeth, even though I know what they mean, because by the skin of my teeth means that there was a chance that it, that it means like you just barely got in. And it's like, no, his blood like opened up the door wide for me to get in. You know, one of the most powerful things, like as far as like what impacts me, one of the most powerful things I've read in years, um, I was reading in a book of sermons from different people. And there was someone um, who um, I believe was a transgender woman. And she was saying that um, for a while as a believer and as a trans person, she felt like she wanted to get rid of the past. And, you know, we have this notion that you become a new creation and all things are new mm-hmm. and everything is gone. And yeah, yet right. we know in our reality, that's not <laughs> the case. Like true. we're still, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. still a person. And what she said was so powerful. She said, you can feel like you're wandering aimlessly, but if you end up at your destination, everywhere you went was the path to that destination. Right. And it's the destination that defines if this path had a point or not. Mm-hmm. And she said, our destination in God is certain. So our path to God, however twisty, turny, wild, confused it is, it is the path to God. And we can trust in that. Mm-hmm. And we can say it's redeemed by the destination, not by abandoning everything. Right. That came from the past. That's so but good. Isn't that oh, we're going to have to have another episode on that. Yeah, because where I came out of these last couple of years is at the end of the day, and this isn't even about the gay issue, just the, the, the church and the, the, the church being scared to have conversations with verbiage or words or things that scare them, um, is that God is completely fine with every question that I have. God, in the way that I understand, God is completely fine with every doubt that I have. God is fine with every time I take a different path because my destination, like you said, is already there. If, if my destination could be taken away from me, then the message of the cross is null and void. Yeah. And, and based on that, I can see why a lot of people don't come to the cross or don't come to church or anything else because the church is very good about telling people that they have to get to the destination a certain way with a certain set of clothes and a certain set of verbiage and a certain set of actions. And there's no room for anybody to experience God differently than how the church boxes it in. And if you do, then you're new age or you're demonic or you're a Wiccan or you're this or that. And they have absolutely no room, but yet God 
who judges the thoughts and intents of all man is well able to use every path. Now, am I saying that every path is holy? That's not what I'm saying. But last time I checked, I'm also not God. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm not God. You know, um, so I don't know. It's for it's something I want to ask you about for a different conversation. But right now, I have some questions to ask you. Sure. Are you ready for your hot seat questions? But we'll definitely, Let's if you do want, this. do this again and and get more on that other oh, yeah. other other realm. Okay. Your first question is: What is your dream job or business? Like <laughs> you could do anything, you know, to sustain you. What is it? You know, I really love gardening uh -huh. and being outdoors like that. If I could spend my time and sustain myself um, doing stuff like that, I would love that. It's not super practical here in Maine anyway. There's a very short growing season. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. That's it's, cool. It's a, it's a bit like meditation because you're out there just doing things, kind of repetitive things and yeah. slowing down. It's great. Awesome. That's interesting. Okay, here's the next one. If you could send a message to the church as a whole and they would actually get it, and I mean the worldwide church, if there was one thing you wanted them to know from the heart of Randy that you really want them to get, what would it be? I think you know, that's such a loaded question. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to address one of my okay. um, pet issues right now. Maybe this isn't the grandest message I hope to communicate, oh, but it's right. the one that's it's, stuck in my head. This is the Authentic right Dead podcast. So <laughs> just be authentically Randy and say whatever yeah. you want. I'll tell you, one of the things that really um, troubles me about the church right now and that I hope we can get past is that. Um, the church doesn't actually value honesty. Uh, the church intentionally obscures its message very often because they want to get people in the doors so they can change them. So in terms of LGBTQ things, mm -hmm. it's, it's that, but it's a lot bigger than that. Um, they won't tell you their policy on certain things and they redefine terms to mean one thing in their context that it'll mean something else elsewhere. So I'm going to speak from my experience, but this isn't like yeah. everybody's experience. They'll say everyone is welcome, uh -huh. but being welcome doesn't mean the same thing as everyone having a place and everybody gets to serve and everybody right. gets to whatever. Right. Right. But it's easier to say everyone is welcome than to say you can come only if you're willing to change or only yeah. if you're willing to conform to whatever. So I really would like the church to stop using um, terms that obscure and all that, and actually start listening to people and communicate, like in yeah. real honest. Get rid of the smoke and mirrors. If you if you're never gonna let a gay person be on the worship team, then just say you can come, and we'll take your tithe money, but you can't serve in any ministry capacity unless you're unless you're celibate. Just right. say it, and see how many people come. Right. See how many gay people come. 
Right. Probably not a lot. You know, maybe some. There'll there'll be some, um, but they'll be the ones that just kind of probably sit in the pew right. anyways. Well, so the I don't whole know. Thing if that is, might have sounded harsh, but you know, they, I mean. Well, no, but it's true. They'll say we love gay people, but when you press them, love means telling the truth. Dot dot so dot. They've redefined yeah. love to telling you what I think about you. And I didn't now, ask that's you. That's not actually love, but that's how it's defined so that they can say that they're loving you even when they are criticizing you. Which gets back to you can't get to the destination unless you take the journey the way that I said you should. Right, which goes right. back to the spiritual homosexuality. Yep. Yep. Do it this way, the exact same way, and then I will accept you that you are on the path that's going to go where I already know I'm going. Yep. You know? And, so I uh, wish there was a bit more honesty that way. <laughs> yep, that's good. Okay, last question. What would your what would you tell fifteen year old Randy? Oh gosh, fifteen year old Randy felt like the embodiment of everything that God hated, Aww. and fifteen year old Randy felt. Um, like he would go to hell no matter how desperately he sought to be faithful to God. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long after that, that, you know, like 17 year old Randy decided um, that he couldn't trust God to save him, but he was going to love him and serve him anyway. And maybe God would do something different, but he didn't have any hope for mm -hmm. a future. And so I would say, talking back to that, Randy, that um, who you are actually um, is your opportunity to encounter God. It's not the threat to your relationship with God. It's going to enable you to see things that other people can't and to help people that, uh, that other people won't be able to help. And that someday you're going to be able to enjoy a rich, full life with someone who really you care about and who cares for yeah. you, you know, life gets better. Yeah. It's like the same thing. We want the teens to know it gets better, you know. Yep. Um, I'm glad that you made it. Mm, me too. You know, um, <laughs> a lot, a lot don't. Um, okay, what do you want to ask me? You get to ask uh, authentic Deb a question before we wrap it up here. <laughs> what do I want to ask you? So, if you could have anything accomplished through these podcasts, what would you hope to accomplish? anything to accomplish can i segregate it like selfish deb and then giving of myself to the world <laughs> <laughs> i think that's both are great i think both are perfect oh well and i don't think selfish is always a bad thing so I don't as, as far as me what i would love to see through the podcast is just open up all those opportunities to have um, conversations with people and, and speak mm -hmm. in other podcasts or TED talks or whatever, just speaking and sharing, sharing that light. I would love to see it, um, 
be um, something down the road that you just did and it supported you. Uh, yeah. But um, so that's the, the the one aspect of it, but that's not why I started it. Um, yeah. I, I started it because um, I heard another podcast and the lady was talking about doing your passion and um, she said, you know, so many people start a podcast or a business to get clients, to get money, to get this and that. She goes, what if you just did it because you loved it? And I went, oh, my God, what an epiphany. You know? <laughs> and um, so I was like, yeah, what do I got to lose? I'm not I've got a job. I've got insurance. I'm not trying to make, you know, money or this or that, you know. Um, yeah. so that's, you know, but you know, down the road, it's nice, you know, you get a little bit of support pays for your editing, your hosting, all that stuff. But sure. at the end of the day, um, I would want people to have a voice and that's why the, I like my little intro into the podcast is just like, I want to talk to people from every nation, every country. Um, they don't have to be, uh, have their own business, have written a book or, mm -hmm. or anything just like you, just every day, you and me, every day, every day people. And I want people yeah. truly to know that, um, that their life matters and that yeah. what they think might be insignificant is not insignificant. And, um, and if I can have a part in doing that just by sharing um, my authentic life that, that allows people the little guy for lack of a better you know what we call the little guy i don't even know i like that term but you know where i'm going with it just I know what you're saying. Uh, everyday person because at the end of the day i don't care if you're a movie star or a bazillion dollar football player we all um we all eat poop it you know we all just i mean we all just <laughs> we're just normal people there's nobody yep. that's uh, more precious in the eyes of god than the other and regardless of how you look at God or if you believe in God or anything that, you know, I mean, there's always going to be God in my podcast because that's, you know, what I'm about. But I want to be able to talk to people from yeah. faith to no faith to faith yeah. that freaks me out to whatever, you know, because I want to be able to have the conversation and regardless of where I am for them to feel free to be themselves and just. And that's one of the things that we'll have to come back and do, do another podcast because I don't think the church realm allows for those conversations without labeling. Yeah. And um, I'm going to have those conversations, whether somebody's a, a Buddhist, a, a, a Wiccan or whatever, I'm going to have a conversations with everybody, whether you're a dog walker, a poop scooper, I don't care. I just like talking to people. And with that, your natural gifts come out with of wisdom or insight or whatever and um and just and just have fun yeah well that would be a great conversation to have sometime i'd love to do that yeah we'll totally do it a podcast thanks for listening to this episode of the authentic dev podcast make sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with me at authenticdev.com there you can book a session with me and request to be a guest on the show. So until next time, this is Authentic Deb signing out. And remember, be you because being you is enough.